guys, welcome back to another episode of Completely Unqualified and Yet Incredibly Opinionated. I am your host, Carrie Urban, with my co-host... Victoria Asher. Welcome back, guys. Victoria, who do we have with us today? Today we have my good friend, Ryan Dune. Oh, awesome. I actually don't know Ryan, so I'm excited to talk to him and get to know him a little bit. I think I've met him at maybe like one of your parties. And of course, I know that he used to be like a big Vine star and is a comedian, but I'm excited to get to talk to him and get some of his advice. Yeah, Ryan's one of my favorite people. And yeah, it's interesting because he started off, you know, being a viral Vine star and then, you know, shifting platforms and now is pursuing being a therapist, which is cool and an interesting shift. It's so amazing. I mean, I think it's so funny that Vine was like such a hot thing and there were like Vine stars that came out and then like now Vine doesn't exist anymore at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like where did Vine go? What happened? I need to Google it. <laughs> it just kind of died out. And I remember actually, funny enough, Ryan and I, when we went, we went out for Halloween together and he was dressed as a dead Vine star. So he had like a noose Aww. around his neck and he had a shirt that said Vine and he was all bloody. <laughs> Oh, that's it was right when Vine had it was right when Vine had had died. So it was pretty. Oh my god! I guess maybe Vine like ran out of money, or how did they even make money? I don't understand how any apps make money. I really don't get it. I guess advertisements, but I don't. I wonder if Instagram is ever going to be something that dies out. I don't know. It's been around for a while. It's been here, but maybe because everything you know, like MySpace, died out. I mean, but MySpace still exists but it's not really that popular anymore. Sorry, MySpace. Is anyone on MySpace anymore? I know I have my old profile up there, but- Do you really? I do, yeah. I managed to like figure out the login and I looked at my old MySpace account. It was pretty hilarious. Oh my God. With are all the people, comments there and- Really? Are people still on there? Like are profiles still active? I think so. <laughs> I have no idea. I think though it officially did die fairly recently. Oh, really? So I wonder if I can even access my old profile. I don't know if that's still a thing you can do. I don't know. Someone works at MySpace still. There's one person in a building (laughs) who works at MySpace. (laughs) Well, funny enough, I know that Tom has an Instagram and I've seen his Instagram and it's pretty awesome, actually. (laughs) Tom does? Yeah. Wait, I mean, okay, Tom is a real person, obviously. Did he really create MySpace? Yep. Okay, so he's like the Mark Zuckerberg. Yep. My, yeah, smiley Tom face like, with the white shirt. Who like looks over his shoulder like, wasn't he like thumbs up and kind of or something? He, he had the Just white turned t-shirt. and smiling. He's like, hey, I didn't see you there. Kind of so funny. No, and now he just like explores the world and posts cool photos about it. It's pretty hilarious. Did Tom make a ton of money? He must have made a ton, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Because also too, remember they were trying to make MySpace like music platform and all. Yeah. Justin Timberlake like invested or something in MySpace, right? To try and make it like a thing. (laughs) Maybe. I think so. I might not remember that at all. (laughs) I mean, look, I have MySpace to thank for my entire career, to be honest. I mean, it was because of MySpace. I had an account that I almost deactivated and I'm glad I didn't because that's how I ended up being in Cobra Starship. (laughs) So that's how Gabe found you, right? It was from MySpace. Yeah. How, how? For, like through friends or? No, he searched female keyboardist in New York and somehow my page showed up, which is so insane. No way. Yeah, and he just hilarious. messaged you on MySpace? No, what's funny is that the bass player of the band, I knew him through a boyfriend I had at the time. And he, he was like, oh, I know that girl. I can get in touch with her. And then he called me and asked me to, if I wanted to be in a band. And the rest is history. Yep. Thank you, MySpace. God, that's amazing. So thanks, Tom. <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> Thanks, top friend on my yeah. eighth friend list or whatever oh, yeah. it was. Wasn't it like with Tom, you couldn't take him out of your top eight for a while? He was always your top one. Oh, Tom. <laughs> That's kind of sad now that I think about it. <laughs> like, Tom had to be your top friend. And the funniest thing is that when you were actually able to edit the arrangement of like who your top eight were or whatever... I remember my friend Aaron and I, we started like having photos that interacted with one another, like on the <gasps> list because, wait, sorry. No, this was before you could edit the order. Basically, I was one of the first people that signed up to MySpace. I got all my friends to get on it. So I always showed up as number two on everyone's list. So it was Tom and then me for any friends that I had because oh. I was one of the first people that signed up with MySpace. And Aaron King, one of my good friends, was the was another person that signed up very early on. So he was always number three. So we would like do these photos that were interacting, like cheersing drinks. Oh my God. Or like pew, pew, like kind of like, hey. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and we thought we were so cool. Um, anyway, welcome to our podcast that is all about MySpace. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's actually nothing to do with MySpace. We're just going off on a tangent. We're just talking about internet and social media. And that all brings us back to Ryan Dune, who is our special guest today, who's going to be giving us all the great advice and tips. Feel free to follow us at completely underscore unqualified underscore podcast on Instagram. And if you have a dilemma you need help with, feel free to email us at incrediblypodcast at gmail. So send us your voice memos with any dilemmas you have, anything big or small, relationship, friend advice, career advice, pandemic advice, all the things. We have the answers. So let's go ahead and kick off today. Let's bring in Ryan and let's get to our first dilemma. I'm excited. Uh, so Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure to see you here. How have you been doing for, through the pandemic? You doing okay? All in all, good. All things considered good. Recently, I started getting sad. Oh, that's no. the first time it's happened really during the pandemic. When the pandemic first started happening, I was like, I'm good. Actually talking to my therapist about how people cope with the pandemic. She said people with depression cope better with it because they've experienced this type of sadness before. Oh, no. I think when the pandemic started, I was like, yeah, life sucks. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> that totally makes sense, actually. I don't know, but I can't help but think that people with depression, though, also are being hit by it worse. But I recently went through a low-grade depression, but it wasn't like super bad. It wasn't as if like it was packed on top of the pandemic. It was kind of just like another depression, but there wasn't a lot of hope for like, oh, when this is over, I can, mm -hmm. you know, see my friends again, go back to normal life. It was kind of just like, oh, when this depression lifts, I'm still going to be in my apartment. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Only seeing my girlfriend. And I hate my girlfriend. <laughs> that's another problem. Can we talk about Wait that? a minute. <laughs> that's nah, a big, that's a big uh, landmine there. So <laughs> where, I think where is your girlfriend humor. currently? <laughs> yeah, she's right okay. here. Crying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know that for people who are introverts, I've heard that the pandemic is, they're like, what's wrong? Like, what's the problem? This is great. I get to stay home. Like, there's no expectations. There's no FOMO. There's nothing. But for those of us who like being social... It's incredibly yeah. hard. And and for me, I have like the opposite of most, it's like some people really fear change. And for me, I fear things staying the same always. So the idea of being locked inside, every day is the same, nothing changes is the worst punishment that you can give me. So, I mean, I'm dealing with it better now, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I was freaking out. 
was like, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta get out of here. Like you feel like a caged animal. Like you just have to like run, but there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to go. I don't know where I stand on that because I feel like I'm such a introvert as well as a extrovert. I'm like some somewhere in between. So it's weird because I'm used to like obviously hosting a lot of things and being super social and then suddenly not being able to, but I was kind of relieved not to, but then Mm. I also miss being able to throw parties and such and see friends, but I don't know. I can't tell. I'm mostly an introvert. So that part of the pandemic has been pretty easy. I have one friend who's an extreme extrovert. I almost said outrovert. <laughs> outrovert. He was struggling pretty hard when it first started. And I was like, I think it might be because you're an extrovert and you're not getting energized by the socializing. But me, I'm thriving. Just watching Netflix, surf thriving. But I'm over it now. I'm fucking yeah. over it. I want to go see my friends. Also, another thing I realized I, I have a lot of work friends so i do comedy stand up and i just have not talked to a lot of my comedian right, friends right i don't really feel resentful of that like oh we weren't real friends it's kind of just it is what it is when i see them at comedy clubs we are close totally but i guess since you're not doing <laughs> that yeah we're not doing that we're not really reaching out so that was interesting kind of a bummer but i'm not i'm not taking anything personally No, I think, and I think that, you know, the stuff that you're going through is probably stuff that other people are going through too. You know what I mean? Like those people that, you know, you have like an acquaintance kind of friendship, but you're so happy to see them in person, but maybe you're not the one texting to like check in kind of thing. You know, it's just a different level of friendship. None is like more valid than the other, but I have a feeling that those people too are going through their own shit and being like, oh, what's going on, you know, and we're all managing the best we can ultimately. So during the pandemic, have you done anything to kind of like scratch that itch for comedy since you can't do, you know, like a show? Have you been writing or, or working on like your, your next material? I have been doing none of that. <laughs> That's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking a break from stand-up for two months to see how it felt because I was like, what do I want to do with my life? And then the pandemic hit. So it's oh, been man. a little over two months. It's been a year and two months started going to grad school. So I'm in grad school full-time oh, wow. clinical psychology to be a therapist. So I'm also unqualified and highly opinionated. Oh, amazing. <laughs> You're in good company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's actually what I wanted to talk to you about too, was that, you know, I think it's interesting because a lot of times comedians are often the ones that have like the hardest time with depression and are, you know, making people laugh as a way to kind of combat that, to like bring joy to other people when you're feeling bad. Yeah, you're right. I've known you during my worst of uh, mental health, (laughs) kind of like my worst of drinking. Mm. I've been sober for like a year and seven months now. So I I used used to go to Victoria and be like, oh man, just depressed. And I kept on having having these girlfriends be like, oh, this girl's, I don't know if I like her. Mm. Or like, I'm heartbroken. Uh." So Victoria, thank you for dealing with me. Of course, anytime. That's what friends are for. <laughs> but I was going to say that I think it's interesting, though, then to be studying and choosing to, you know, work in therapy and to be helping other people and in a different way, like not necessarily producing laughter, but right. digging deep into, you know, what people are going through, I guess. More so back in the day, I would post every once in a while a, a quick video about depression and be like, hey, I've had depression for years and it's okay if you do too. This is when I had a lot of young followers. Right. I got a big response from that being like, oh, thank you. That means a lot. Or 
also like parents being like, I showed my, this to my son and mm-hmm. it helps. So thank you. And that was more fulfilling to me than getting laughter. Yeah. Granted at comedy clubs, getting a laugh is extremely fulfilling, but like having people type ha 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 or press like on a comedy video, it's cool. But I was much more fulfilled and uh, I was touched by people reaching out about the depression stuff. Then I started seeing a therapist myself and that's really what turned my life around. So I was like, holy shit, I, I want to do this for somebody else. Had you never gone to therapy before? I had in high school and a little bit in college, but I didn't like my therapists. Right. And that's so important. You have to connect with your therapist. Otherwise, you're not yeah. going to open up. You're not going to break down any walls if you don't feel it. Yeah, my therapist in high school, really good guy, but his style was uh, like psychodynamic. It was kind of like Freud. Like I would just talk and mm. you know, be like, hmm, hmm. See, see, that wouldn't work for me. I need some sort of feedback. I need someone to call me out on my bullshit personally. <laughs> so My therapist calls me. Yeah. Oh, she's pretty harsh. Sometimes. Yeah, that's great. But that's amazing. I think that's what you need. You need someone to hold a mirror up and be like, do you see what yeah. you're doing and, and why you're in this cycle and that you can't get out of it instead of someone being like, hmm, I'm sure that's hard. Yeah. yeah. Tell me how you feel. I know. Like, cool. I could have literally talked to anybody about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my therapist, I had been going to her for like two years. So she knew me pretty well. And one day we were talking about drinking and she was like, you're an alcoholic. I was like, oh, wow. It's Christ. I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, yes, you are. Had you ever thought that? Had you ever considered that, that that was a problem for you? Yeah, I was starting to. And okay. a few months before my mom actually said like, right, I think you're an alcoholic. But I was like, no, I'm just depressed. As if like that was good news. Because that's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I'm just really like mentally depressed. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm using the alcohol in other ways. But it took me a while to like actually realize that I did have a problem with drinking. Then after I quit, I was like, oh yeah. Like I've been pouring depressants down my throat. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, why do I keep getting depressed? (laughs) Why isn't this working? I keep doing the same thing over and over. Why isn't it working? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So was quitting really hard for you? Like, is the temptation still there or how was that process? Quitting was not hard. I think I was ready to do it. I was so tired of being depressed. I had a mental rock bottom as opposed to like losing a job or getting a DUI. I was just like, I'm fucking tired of (laughs) hating life. So I started doing AA and I haven't really had any big cravings to drink. I still miss weed. I still miss smoking weed. Oh man, I get it. Because like there are times I went to a concert, I saw Thundercat at a drive-in at the Rose Bowl. People are smoking weed. I'm like, I can't fucking smoke weed right now. Come on. I get it. I can't drink. I'll drink all night if I drink. But like, fuck, I can't smoke. I'm currently in a phase in my sobriety where I'm like, come on. I can smoke, right? (laughs) So I need to share that with my fellows. Can you, do you do any sort of anything or are you like cold turkey, like nothing? Nothing. Really? Nothing. Do you think you'll ever incorporate, I'm, I'm just curious, do you think you'll ever incorporate anything in again or no? Are you, is this the way that it works that you cut out everything and it's like, that's it? I think I'll, I'll incorporate weed again. Okay. Drinking, I don't think that'll ever work for me again. Right. And let me ask you that, you got, are you guys normal drink? Are you guys- 
I don't drink at all. Yeah, I don't either. You don't drink. No, not not because of any, you know, issues with alcohol. I just don't like it. I mean, I'll maybe have one drink once a year. (laughs) Crazy. That's like my girlfriend. She doesn't like, like makes her feel physically. Yeah. Even when I was like, when I was partying and on tour and living on a bus with a bunch of uh, alcoholics, I just didn't, I wasn't interested. (laughs) Wow. See people who like that is strange to me. Even stranger is people who do drink, but just have like two drinks. I'm like, what the fuck? But apparently that's normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, you can drink in moderation. <laughs> it's okay. But why? <laughs> hey guys, Carrie here. Just wanted to interrupt to let you know about a product that I personally love and use all the time on myself and on my clients. It's called The Good, and it's by Caldera Lab, and it was recently named by GQ as Best Face Serum, and it is hands down the best face oil I've ever used. Whether you are tackling dry skin, acne scars, wrinkles, or you just want to invest in healthier skin, this is the one product I would use. It does not go on greasy and does not cause breakouts. It's literally everything in one bottle. That's why it's called The Good. The best part is they are offering an exclusive 20% off for all of our podcast listeners. Head to Caldera Lab, that's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com and use the code KU20 for 20% off. If you have further questions and maybe you want to see the product being demoed, go to our Instagram, which is completely underscore unqualified underscore podcast. And I will have a video demoing the product and telling you a little bit more in depth of why I love it. Also, as a side note, the good is made technically for men, but I use it and I love it. Best of all, you can try it 100% risk-free. If you don't love it after 60 days, they will refund you in full. Again, that code is KU20. Okay, back to the show. The whole reason that I wanted to start this podcast was because I really miss connecting with my clients and I miss talking with people. And I think from my standpoint, like what I do with hair and makeup, I'm in people's faces, I'm in their personal space, I'm with them before like big moments and you really get to know someone and connect with them. And and as the rest of the world told to stay home, it was the worst punishment that I couldn't do what I love to do and, and be with people. And, and, you know, I had come off of this like really long run doing all this press for like Oscars and all award season and everything. And then it was just like a full stop. And it was really hard. And I was like, how can I connect with people and reach out? And they always say like, oh, hairstylist or whatever, or like free therapist or kind of thing, you know, cause you end up telling all your problems. You get to know people very intimately. So I had this idea and I, I talked to Vic about it and we were like, yeah, let's, Let's do it because she loves giving advice too. So I feel like I'm always helping, <laughs> like Ryan was saying earlier. I feel like I have a lot of experience with struggles and depressions and things, and I'm always talking to friends anyway, and mm-hmm. or people online that you yeah. know. I think constantly I receive you know DMs from especially like younger audiences with struggles, and I think that this is a great way to be able to talk to people. Yeah. And the fact that Carrie and I are best friends and have known each other so long, it's... Yeah. Never hurts that we can talk about things freely and not feel guarded or like we can't say something or how are we going to... How is someone going to interpret it or whatever kind of thing, but... So anyway, so let's get into the part of the show where we listen to one of our callers' voice memos and then we give our advice. Sound good? Yeah. Sounds great. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. So my brother-in-law is a drug addict and has some mental health issues. 
And our relationship with him is pretty much non-existent at this point because we don't trust him around our son. But it's also causing problems with my wife and I's relationship with her parents because they just enable it. And whenever we see them, the conversations always turn to about how we don't help him enough. Even though we've tried, he won't take help from anyone. And all they do is enable him by allowing him to keep not working and paying for his drugs. You have any advice on how to deal with that? No. Okay. Next. (laughs) (laughs) I have absolutely nothing to say. Goodbye. What if a therapist said that? What if a therapist was like, I'm sorry, I I can't help you get out. (laughs) You need to leave. Do you have any other stuff you can talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Next. No, I'm not doing that one. (laughs) Um, Any first impressions? Any first thoughts? That sounds very difficult to have an addict in the house who doesn't want to get help. For me, in my unqualified opinion, I would look into like Al-Anon meetings, support group meetings to talk to mm-hmm. other people who are, have a similar situation. I don't really know what goes down in those meetings. I've gone to three of them. If I can relate, cause I'm piecing it together. I think one of my parents was an active alcoholic when I was growing up. I just didn't know about it, but I would say, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Find some like-minded people who are going through a similar thing and see what they say. And I think a good source of that is Al-Anon. Al-Anon are People that have either a like spouse or mm-hmm. that's an alcoholic, or family members like affected by an alcoholic, and yeah you, yeah, you can even have like a loved one who's passed away from alcohol addiction, and and you go to kind yeah. of process and deal with how that affected you and how that impacted your life. So I think Al-Anon's a great idea. I mean, it's I think with something like this where it's a brother-in-law. That's a tricky situation because you're marrying into that family. So it's not like it's your brother and you have that relationship with them where you could say like, you know, have real talk kind of and and confront them. Right. And it sounds like the parents either are not willing or not able to jump in and uh, and have tough love because they're enabling by giving, you know, their child, whatever they need, which I I understand as a parent, I get it. Like you want your child to not be homeless. You want your child to have food and not be on the streets and not be in a dire situation. But at what point do you say like, Hey, this is enough. You got to get your life together. You know? And I I don't know if rehab was an option that was had here. I don't know. What do you guys think about rehab? I feel like a lot of times rehabs don't work. It's like a bandaid, right? It's hard to say because I I have a good friend who Fortunately, he was young enough that I saw that he had a major problem with drugs and alcohol. We were basically living together at the time, just as friends. And he showed up at my house, basically purple faced because of how many drugs and you know alcohol he was combining and stuff. And that was when I realized it was really a problem. And he was young enough that I was able to call mm-hmm. his mom and be like, this is really a problem. And if I don't say anything, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life if he ends up, you know, dead <laughs> from this. And uh, he went to rehab and he's been, you know, sober for now, I don't know, 10 years, something like that. So Mm. I do think that rehab really works, but it's, I think what's so important though, is that after rehab is the hardest part is like, you know, I mean, I remember even when he, when he got back a day after rehab, he went to a friend's house and she had just Coke laying on the, on the table when he came in Mm. and he was like, I need to leave. Luckily he, you know, he didn't engage. Well, that's good. But it's just, I I think too, you kind of have to, unfortunately, you have to get rid of a lot of friends in your life and all these things in order to not be triggered by that stuff. 
you need like a real support group, at least, you know, for the first year or so after rehab. But, but I guess in this situation though, I mean, it doesn't even seem like if this person doesn't want help, I don't really know what it is you can do to, you know, talk them into it. Well, that's the thing is I think that like a rehab would only work if the person really wanted to, because if they don't want to, and they go dragging their feet, I feel like they're going to come back and fall right back in the same patterns in the same, you know, unless they deal with the underlying issue of what got them to that point. I think it's kind of pointless personally. Right. Yeah. It sucks that he's, uh, the parent, his in-laws are like putting him and his wife in between the brother there. He's being triangulated. Oh, wait, what is triangulated? I don't know that term. Okay. What is, I what mean, is triangulation? I mean, Victoria, <laughs> you might know better than me because you've experienced it. Well, I, I have too, but it's when someone involves you with a problem that they have with somebody else. Like for instance, my mom and dad are divorced. Sometimes mm-hmm. my mom will be like, Oh, he, your father wasn't really supportive of you. She has beef with my dad. She'll right. Me and like talk shit, which kind of pisses me off. Like I've done it with two Victoria, not in a malicious way, just about girlfriends be like, what should I do? Like she, this girlfriend, I'm not sure if I like her. Now Victoria is involved in this like three way relationship so it can be like minor stuff or it can be like malicious and i feel like i'm giving a terrible cut and dry definition no no no. i mean i have a real life example of it's where your best friend in the world who you've always been able to talk to effortlessly about anything comes to you with a claim that their girlfriend said something completely fictitious about you and then you know i'm i'm asking like well let's all three talk about it but she's refusing mm-hmm. to. She's only whispering certain things in his ear or whispering things in my ear, being like, no, everything's cool. We're totally fine, but not addressing all three people. So it's like turning people against. So that's just, it's exactly. a manipulation then. But not to all of, like, you can say different things to the one party and because you're not addressing all. How do you keep this straight? I would lose it. I'd be like, wait, what did I tell you? Well, but it doesn't matter though, <laughs> because know? if you're the person that's refusing to have the conversation with all three people, you can lie and say whatever you like because mm-hmm. you're not addressing both people. Does that make sense? Yes. But see, that's the thing is it's like, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but like from TV shows, like most of the problems could have been solved if they had cell phones, right? Like miscommunications <laughs> and like hijinks and blah, blah, blah. It could have all been solved had they had a cell phone or been able to text each other. I feel like, that's what triangulation, it's like, it could all be solved if you just get in the same room and are honest, you know, like everything could be solved if you just were there physically and, or on the phone and just laid it all out. That's just manipulation and lies. Mm-hmm. In my situation, I tried multiple times to have a talk with all three of us, but instead they just blocked me as the, you know, typical kind of technology way to not address actually dealing with things. Right. So I looked up the definition. So triangulation is a manipulation tactic where one person will not communicate directly with another person, instead using a third person to relay communication to the second, thus forming a triangle. Triangulation doesn't always have to be manipulative. And I think what the, the, the caller here doesn't sound like it's really manipulative. The parents are enabling. The parents are ignoring that there is a problem mm-hmm. and I have a feeling with the triangulation here is from the guy who is the addict probably being like telling the parents, 
I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Like, I don't know what other people are talking about. Like, everything's great. And then maybe telling the sister and brother-in-law, you know, a different story or saying that they're not being supportive or some sort of manipulation to. Yeah, I was going to say that. I think that there's a there's a manipulation there because, I mean, he could be saying like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll consider that. Like, maybe you're right. Like, maybe I, right. I should do this. And then never doing it. And then, you know, telling the other person like, no, 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 it's like, so not a big deal. They're like making it into right. a big thing. And it's not it's kind of a gaslighting situation then. Cause it's like, why are you telling one person your problem? And then they're, you know, maybe reaching out to the parents and saying like, Hey, we need to get him help. And then he's saying, Oh, I don't need help. I'm great. I'm fine. That's on them for, you know, they misunderstood or something, or I don't know. I'm putting words into their mouth. This is just what I imagine. Right. But I wonder if they've had an actual conversation with all of them in the room. You Probably know, not. Address. <laughs> because like triangulation, that would like solve the problem, right? If they were all honest and in the same room. What do you guys think about like cutting out people from your life who, you know, you've tried to help and they refuse help or they deny help? What do you think? Because I, I have mixed feelings on it. I think in some ways it can be healthy for you to say like, this person is toxic for me. I've tried to help them and I can't, I need to step away. But then I also feel like it can be, you know, you're, you're on the same note. You're like letting that person down a little bit, especially if it's a family member or a loved one. And obviously they're going through something and they need the help. That's, I think that's a big part of Al-Anon is Mm -hmm. getting those boundaries and how you can tell an addict in your life, like, listen, I'm not going to talk to you until you're ready to uh, stop drinking. Right. Might hurt them in the moment. I guess it's the best for both parties. Mm Mm-hmm. As far as a more minor issue, like if I have a friend who uh, is kind of a dick, I'm pretty good at like distancing myself. I'm like, I'm just going to lose touch with that person. Yeah. (laughs) But do you tell them why? Do you say like, hey, I, oh, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't break up. I just drift away. Right. (laughs) Yeah. See, I mean, I know that's that's even more so now. That's a very common tactic. I am just someone that I guess I just maybe communicate too much. Like, even if it's someone that isn't that important in my life, I still would just be like, Hey, like straight up, I don't really see how we relate to each other anymore. And I don't really want to be in each other's lives. You know? Yeah. Yeah. See, I won't ghost a friend. I don't know. I think it just happens organically. Like there's just one friend last year who I realized like he wasn't a real friend. Mm. Oh, he's kind of an asshole. And he was only like hanging out with me because I can sell tickets at his stand up shows. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm just kind of not going to text with him a bunch anymore. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, that Organic makes sense. drifted away. I feel like though in situations like, for example, I had a friend that I knew since college and he kept trying to get together with me and I was just like, oh yeah, like maybe next week, you know, whatever. And then, you know, he would follow up and all of a sudden I was like, man, you know what? I would, if I, if it were the reversed, I would much rather just kind of know like you don't, you aren't down to hang out. It's, it's awkward yeah. to say. And I said, I was mm-hmm. like, look, like, I'm really sorry. Like, I know that we have all these past awesome experiences together, but the last few times that we've seen one another, I just don't really feel like we've relate. Like we've kind of grown apart as people mm. and I don't mean anything bad by that. It's nothing against you. It's nothing against me. It's just, I don't really see us, you know, being friends like we used to back in the day, which is a shame because we have all these great memories, but I have nothing but love for you. But, uh, I don't really mm-hmm. think that wow. we're going to Yeah, I've never out. broken up with a friend before. <laughs> no? No. Too scared. Too scared. <laughs> what would happen? What would happen, do you think? If, you yeah, know? what scares you? Hurting That's your feelings. But do you, don't you think it hurts to ghost? 
See, I feel like I, I'm kind of in the middle of where, like, I'm not as bold as Victoria is. I think Victoria has more confidence that way to be like, look, I'm not feeling this. I've got this boundary. And I personally have a problem with boundaries, which I'm working on. But I think maybe somewhere in the middle of just not completely stepping away, but just being like, like I've had friends who, you know, I've been friends with a long time ago and they'll want to text all the time or they'll want to call and talk. And I'm like, look, my life is so different now. I I don't have time to like constantly be texting or just being like, like I'll have like this one friend just text me like, Hey, what do you want me to do with that? <laughs> Hi. Like, I'm like, do you have something to say? Do you, are you just bored? Like I'm busy, you know, and I don't know how to say that. So I just don't write back. And instead I feel like I should confront it and be like, you know, I don't really have time for this like chit chatty, you know, if I do, I'll text you back, but I don't know. I'm not good with confrontation. <laughs> I feel like though, actually it's funny because I've been on the other end where I've been the crazy friend of yours. <laughs> You know, I, I went, I went through a brutal breakup where I was completely psychotic from this person. I was really losing my shit. And I was, Carrie had a deal with me talking to her all the time, flipping out all night long, you know, picking apart crap. Like, and I feel like at a certain point though, it was like, yeah, I was really spiraling. And I remember you setting a boundary of kind of being like, look, like you, you know, you keep talking about the same thing. I'm giving you advice and you keep repeating the same mistakes. Like I can't really deal with it. And, oh, I do remember that. Yeah. And it, I remember and that, but that took a while. Up. Yeah. But I'm saying though, like, I mean, it did make me step up and be like, God, she's right. Cause it, in a way it was kind of enabling me just to keep, you know, doing the mm-hmm. same psychotic thing. Right. Um, and there was something about that, that kind of put brakes on my own head and like, man, yeah, she's mm-hmm. right. Like I'm just, I'm just repeating the same mistakes over and over, you know? Right. But it's hard when you're yeah. that person that's psychotic. Too. Well, cause at that <laughs> so. point you're just spiraling and you're spinning and you can't stop. So maybe you need someone to be like, stop. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of a uh, time I was heartbroken over a girl, kind of like irrationally. Like we were both drinking a, a ton and did it for four months. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh no, my heart. And I was telling one of my friends about it for a, a little while over a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh God, I don't know what to do. And my friend was like, yeah, man, I, I think you just need to stop talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> I love that advice. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I know. Yeah, you're right. I think it was half him being annoyed. But that's a good friend, honestly. That's a good friend who feels they can say that to you and not lose you and not yeah. have you be like, well, F you and just, you know, peace out and never talk to you again. You know, that's a friend being like, look, you just stop because you're not doing yourself any favors. And you're right. kind of just giving more power to that person, you know, to yeah, just keep true. reliving it. It's like you're just living in it all the time then. But it's hard, though, because you also want to be supportive of the person that's going crazy, you know, because I experienced it recently where someone was going completely insane over a guy. And I get it because I've been that person before. But then at a certain point, you're like, God damn, just get it together. You want to like shake them, be like, this person sucks. Like, just get over it. (laughs) Okay, so to bring it back to our caller, we feel for you. This is a terrible situation. Being an addict of any kind is really difficult. And it's difficult on the family, not just on the addict, but the people around them who love you. And our best suggestion for you guys is to set healthy boundaries. And, you know, maybe if the parents are kind of pulling you in, maybe to be like, you know what, we've said our piece, we've said how we feel, and kind of put that boundary up and say, like, we don't want to talk about it anymore unless something changes or, you know, there's a new development. Otherwise, it's just like we were talking about. It's just spiraling and there's no 
point. We're not going anywhere. We're spinning in circles. And then maybe in the, in the meantime, you guys, as a couple, you and your wife look into like an Al-Anon meeting or some kind of support group for other people who are going through the same situation to get some more insight on what has worked for them. Because none of us have been in that situation where we have a sibling who is an addict, but there are people who are. And so getting advice from the source is obviously the best. Yeah. I was just going to say, I was like, you just about summed it up that you kind of nailed it. That was great. Awesome. Ryan, we have kept you so long. I'm so sorry. (laughs) This is your whole day. You have like five more hours. Yeah, sure. Do you want to just come over? I mean, (laughs) oh, wait, pandemic. (laughs) Oh, actually, this hasn't been recording. Can we start over? (laughs) Wait, can you hear me? Can you hear me? You guys can hear me? I haven't heard anything You've just been lip reading the whole time. Ryan had to deal with a lot of technical difficulties at the start of this episode, but we are yeah. so appreciative. <laughs> you stuck with it. You'd think technology would just be able to transform great art. And Ryan did not work, put up a but, boundary you know. with us and say, you know what, you guys, the time is up. I'm done. I have other <laughs> So we appreciate your lack of boundaries when it comes to technology and no problem. timing. I have suffered because my cat, Trying to think of a joke here. Um, I can't <laughs> need to be let out to pee. That's the wrong animal. <laughs> I gotta take my cat on a walk. Wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not right. My cat died. Oh no. <laughs> Ralph. Your cat's name is Ralph. Yes, and she's a girl. Yeah. Oh it's a girl. I love, first of all, I love when animals have human names. Yeah. It's the cutest. Yeah. And <laughs> when, when girls have boys names, so stinking cute. So we nailed both. I thought she was a dude when we first met. Well, it's hard to tell with cats. It's not like a dog where you just flip them over. You're like, there it is. Like cats are a bit more <laughs> yeah. hidden under the fluff. Yeah. You gotta like seek it. <laughs> under the fluff. <laughs> she was a stray and I wasn't going to take her in at first. So I was like, Hey Ralph, what's up? Oh, was she just living in your neighborhood, like outside your apartment or? Yeah, this was in Boston. I lived, oh. lived in Boston. Boston. I was like, hey, what's up, Brad? Can you do a Boston accent? Yeah, like uh, grab me a fucking beer, dude. <laughs> it's wicked hot outside. It's wicked hot outside. <laughs> Gotta park the car. Yep. <laughs> my car down to the liquor store. Oh my God. My parents have a Boston accent. Do they? It's pretty funny. Oof. My dad visited me in LA two Thanksgivings ago. We're on the 405, and he was thinking about O.J. Simpson's- Oh, right. Of course. Car pursuit. The white Bronco, yeah. Yep. So he was saying, where was O.J.'s car pursuit? <laughs> I was like, what? O.J.'s car pursuit. I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> where was it? <laughs> was, it right. was it right at the 405 in the 10? This, is very, this has turned into a very- I LA thought it was 101. <laughs> Pretty sure it was the 101. One o- was it? I don't know. Oh, up there in the valley? Really? That's a, I don't know. Ew, the valley. valley. Oh my God. OJ went to the valley. What? <laughs> oh, gross. You got to chase him up there because it's so gross. Yeah. And the cops wouldn't go to the valley. So I think he, the Brentwood <laughs> cops wouldn't go there. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thank you. You were the best. Thank you for joining us on an episode of Completely Unqualified and Yet Incredibly Opinionated. We really appreciate all your advice and hope that we helped our caller today. I hope I get a free therapy session once you're a therapist. Absolutely. Because <laughs> that'll be any day now, right? Yep. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> all really, right. Really soon. Well, all thank right. you, Ryan. Thank you. 
Talk to you soon. Bye. That was awesome. Thank you, Ryan Dune. So uh, thank you for joining us for our podcast. If you have a dilemma or you need some advice, send us an email at incrediblypodcast at gmail.com and follow our Instagram, which is completely underscore unqualified underscore podcast. Thanks, guys. Check back next week. We will have an all new episode with all new guests and all new dilemmas. So don't miss it. Hopefully we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.